Welcome, everybody, to Bottomless Broadway in our third episode since quarantine. We're killing it. Like, we're doing so <laughs> great. Um, if you haven't been here before, we talk musicals over mimosas. Two weeks ago, we reviewed the revival of West Side Story and said that it was our first review of a revival because usually we prioritize new musicals, but, you know, Broadway's dark. So we're coming back to you with a second revival, Spicy. But it was a very exciting show, so I'm really really pumped to talk about company yeah i am so excited about this this was literally the show i was looking to most i think the first time i ran into company was when glee did getting married today and i was like this is a bonkers song like where did this come from (laughs) yeah i didn't really i don't have five words i was just like playing around with all the things i could say about the amount of alcoholism that is in this musical (laughs) like and and I love how, like, their Facebook was like, happy St. Patrick's Day, have a vodka stinger. And they're just trying to get, like, everyone hammered <laughs> while they're quarantined because they're like, take five shots of liquor in one martini glass. <laughs> right. Well, so, like, the five words that I just came up with were, is this Alice in Wonderland? Because they do mm. kind of do a little bit of this Alice in Wonderland theme. And I think it's, like, her exploring her her own life and the people in her life and like how Alice goes through that whole basically dream state of Wonderland and then they also abandon that a bit after like four scenes and that was a little unclear but I liked where they were going with that and it led to some really cool set changes and stuff too. Company in the 2020 version on Broadway is gender swapped so Bobby is this like beautiful well-loved single woman played by Katrina Lank with a lot of super caring married friends that like can't get enough of hanging out with her for some reason. There isn't as much of a plot. It's more like we see Bobby going about her single life, dating around, juxtaposed with like her interacting with her married friends, including the very wealthy three or four times divorced Joanne played by Patti LuPone. For most of the musical, we just watch as Bobby goes from being really content alone to becoming more and more conflicted as to whether or not it's worth it to settle down. At the end of the musical, the show only provides what I think is pretty like weak mesh layer of a closure. It's always cool to see this because I had listened to this a lot before seeing this. And first of all, it's almost exactly 50 years old like this month which is insane because I think a lot of it is still so true to just New York today and to how people approach relationships and stuff like it's just so interesting because the characters are pretty thinly sketched out so they don't have a lot of character development which is good for this show because I think it really allows you to sort of put yourself in in their shoes and sort of see yourself in these situations. The way I see it is that we're seeing these characters like through Bobby's eyes a little Mm -hmm. bit. And like what she is seeing are just like kind of like different stereotypes of married couples because she doesn't know what it's like to be married. So she can't really. Mm -hmm. But like Bobby herself also is not really super fleshed out. Like you see her emotional journey, but you don't know too much else about her. She's like the concept of someone that can't settle down. Yeah, basically. We know that like she sort of has her life together. She talks about like going to school and working on her career. But like we don't know if she's like super successful. We don't really know what she works on. We don't know Mm -hmm. like her life as a whole. 
I think that helps with like how I said there's so little closure because like we can't decide for her as an audience if like she should be with someone or should not be with someone right now because we have very little information on her actual stage of life apart from the fact that she's 35 and her friends are married. And then like to your point that also helps with like people um, like stepping into her shoes. And like, can we talk about, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think like it's so well updated. And I think just like, just the gender swap itself is a really good idea. Oh yeah. Because like everyone's like, oh, like guys in New York, like, like, especially like working professionals, like they can't settle down, like whatever. I feel like that would just be like kind of like a boring stereotype at this point. Mm -hmm. So like that works better as a girl. I mean, there's also some songs that do almost flip when when you have a different gender singing it. Mm. The ones I noticed most were You Could Drive a Person Crazy and in Poor Baby. Because in You Could Drive a Person Crazy originally, it's just like, oh, these three girls are like, ugh, this guy's like can't make up his mind and like whatever. But then it's almost more like malicious in in this gender swapped version. Like it's guys being entitled. And then in Poor Baby, it's when the wives in the original version and the husbands now talk about like oh poor bobby she doesn't have a have a partner like we should take care of her and it comes off as like very condescending in this new version whereas in the old version it was just like very maternal and stuff oh i still thought this was like parental i think like most sondheim musicals it's like it's like so much of the lyrics are like so profound but then hard to listen to without a show yeah because like like sorry grateful like in that moment in that scene on stage you're like it totally makes sense like they're just like conflicted about how to feel like all of these adjectives are so carefully chosen and Mm -hmm. like perfect right now but then when you're listening to like on the album and just like working it's like there's so many words like what the fuck it's like make up your mind figure it out like speak a full sentence please (laughs) yeah which i guess is a testament to his songwriting like he writes for the scene and not not as like a a pop single kind of thing. I was actually surprised that there was not like super large entrance for, entrance applause for Patti LuPone the first time she walked out, like in the overture. She definitely gets it in the little things you do together. But in the overture, I think people were either like, I don't know, in shock or just happened too fast or something. I don't know. Yeah, she is like the featured actress, but she's like with the rest of the ensemble for most of the show and it's almost a little weird to watch because yeah. it's like, oh yeah she's just you know like second from the back on the far right dancing during the song because she's in the ensemble but also she's patty lapone yeah it's it is really weird seeing her just like be an ensemble member mm-hmm. it must be like the chillest job for her though she <laughs> has like one song per act and then <laughs> it's not a vita maybe that's why she's like so happy in her basement she's like i have all this energy because i only have to sing two songs for show so the whole company steps out and it's it opens on like bobby's birthday and they're talking about essentially how they're planning her this surprise party and then she walks in into her apartment she pours herself like two glasses of whiskey within like five minutes and there's probably like one maker's mark promo per 15 minutes of the show (laughs) yeah basically every scene has a whiskey bottle in it so it's her birthday and people are trying to celebrate it with her her kitchen or foyer or something where like 
she walks in. What did we say? That like that was the present, right? So like her kitchen is like in a light box basically, um, which is really cool because later on, like when they take photos and stuff, it like flashes. The rest of the stage is this like metaphorical existence of her thoughts. For people who aren't familiar with this musical, it's a little unclear. Like, is this happening in her mind? Is this happening in real life? What's reality? Like, a lot of the scenes, maybe they're flashbacks. Maybe she's just imagining different scenarios. And so we'll have our own, I guess, interpretations of that. But for now, Mm -hmm. we're just going to say this first scene where she's listening to all these voicemails on her birthday is probably reality. I thought the upstairs orchestra was super cool. That's not a thing I've seen on Broadway. City Center does it a lot. Like, remember in Evita, they had the orchestra also just above the Mm -hmm. set. And I guess Dear Evan Hansen has it kind of just tucked away in a corner, but elevated. But I've never seen like a full orchestra just hanging out above the stage before. Right. Um, And also it was lit, like very ethereal. Like there was just like warm yellow light coming from the orchestra. Mm -hmm. It kind of had its own thing going on. Like it reminded me of the Christmas Carol playbill. Oh, yeah. Totally different from like what was going on on stage. Um, Yeah, because on stage, it's a lot of that sort of white fluorescent light. I literally, when people ask me about company i'm like it's honestly a tragedy that this is the same season as moulin rouge because i like this set so much i think they use it better than moulin rouge like moulin rouge just looks like they puked money on it and they're like here's a set right and then we have that quirky book scene where i don't know any of her friends names because they're just all tropes but yeah i have the wikipedia page pulled up so well so there's the two gay guys that's jamie and paul they're like, we got you a sweater. Just return it. It costs so much money. I would rather have the money. <laughs> and then Patty was like, it's never about the gift. It's always about how much it costs. Yeah. And then they're she's just, just like, I'm ridiculously rich. And this is my third or fourth husband. No, and she like keeps talking about that. So it's like this scene, they're all giving her their gift. They're addressing the audience. They're not even facing her. They're just holding the gifts, but they're faced directly towards the audience. And she's kind of They're in like a V and she's the tip of the V, but she's the most upstage. It's kind of like, who are they talking to? Like, is this actually happening or is she just imagining what they would give her? I think Joanne is like, I could do a whole like character study on her. I think like the more you marinate her on her as like a character too, like the more her, like the more ladies who lunch makes sense. Mm -hmm. But like, I think the whole point is like, she probably remembers which husband she's on. And then, you know how it's like, oh, it's always the people that are, like, the most clingy that act like, like, attachment is a Mm -hmm. flaw, like, that kind of thing. I think it's kind of like that, which, like, they talk about later on because, like, her husband is like, well, every six months she packs up to, like, leave me just so she can hear me say that I want her to stay, that kind of thing. Right. So I feel like, like, her current husband totally sees through her and that's why they're together and, like, that's why it's great. Yeah. Um, and she probably knows exactly which husband she's on, but she just like wants everyone to know that she doesn't care. Joanne is just <laughs> hilarious in this whole show. Like every time she comes on stage, she has a great line, like guaranteed. Mm-hmm. She's really good in little things you do together. Patty is so good at that kind of like staccato singing style, maybe mm-hmm. because like she shows up, it's like so clear and crisp and like the whole scene just like stops. I don't necessarily think it's like the better song, 
but I was more like entranced by her in this song than anything else. Yeah. I think she has a lot more to do in this song that comes across easier than Ladies Who Lunch. Because Ladies Who Lunch is a very small, like physically song. Like she doesn't do that much. She kind of sits there and it's all about how she delivers the lines, I guess. But in here, it's because there's some other stuff going on in the scene. Overall, it sort of like lifts up the scene a little more. Ladies Who Lunch is a more genuine song to her character mm-hmm. whereas little things you do together is still like her acting as the her that's that like doesn't care about commitment right so like, like that's still like her fake character which i think is definitely easier and f- more fun to watch yeah and like i was sitting in the rear mezzanine but i could basically see her just like rolling her eyes at the other couples which is pretty funny (laughs) it's the little things you do together do together do together that make perfect relationships the hobbies you pursue together savings you accrue together looks you misconstrue together that make marriage a joy Mm -hmm. so Sorry Grateful is like Katrina asks one of the guys like do you regret getting married and then he starts singing and then like all the guys and the couples join and they just like we don't really know what we're feeling like it's probably a good (laughs) idea but they're like we're most of the time very happy but sometimes we're like what is life? I kind of feel the same way about Sorry Grateful as I do about Marry Me a Little. They're just both like they're like the songs are there to convey internal conflict and it's like not even being that metaphorical about it because it's just like the lyrics are all over the place which i think also plays into marry me a little one of the lines is like neither of us will have to give up a thing and because i guess she's seeing this and she's like oh there you know there's still a little bit of regret there maybe this isn't what i want or maybe you know like that's so true because if you compare that to the finale where she's like someone who wants you to share like a little a lot it's like it's like shows her progression kind of sorry grateful was not gender swapped right correct a lot of these songs have kind of like each person gives a line and they're such throwaway lines but obviously they were chosen for a reason so it's Bobby is the only person I know who needs to drink more. Yeah. Which was like, are you sure about that? You're sorry, grateful, regretful, happy. Why look for answers when none occur? You'll always be what you always were, which has nothing to do with all to do with her. Oh, well, we didn't, like, we talked about Alice in Wonderland, but we didn't really talk about, like, her actual transition from, like, the overture and stuff to oh, yeah, little yeah. things you do to get very grateful because it's super cool. Um, do you want to talk about it? Yeah. So, so she's in this light box thing that is fairly small. It only takes up maybe, like, a fifth of the stage. And that sort of moves to the side and, this other set piece it's like basically a 
much larger light box. It comes from upstage and it just moves forward. But then it, the two boxes just like slot next to each other. And so when she opens a door in her apartment, she immediately enters um, Harry and Sarah's apartment, which is pretty cool because it's kind of like her exploring the different memories or the different worlds that the rest of her married friends live in. Yeah. And also it's especially like Alice in Wonderland style because she just like randomly finds a mysterious key on her own floor. Right. And then goes to like open another door. She was curious, but she wasn't like actually looking to grow slash explore. And then she was just like, what? A key? Yeah. And then just like wound it up in Wonderland basically. Yeah. Yeah. She's not trying to go on this journey of self-discovery the journey sort of takes her yeah and i think you see that throughout the show a lot because she's never really like looking to move out of her comfort zone herself but then it's always like when she's talking to her friends like the next song like you could drive a person crazy like she doesn't really think about that until her friends are like well you just don't want to settle down and she's like that's not true i'm totally ready look at all these men i'm dating and then like the three guys come on and they're like nah you're crazy (laughs) the staging for you could drive a person crazy is also pretty awesome also broke but (laughs) yeah yeah we had a we had a hold for technical difficulties which was actually pretty exciting like that's never happened to me before it feels so like, oh my god, it's live. <laughs> yeah. They actually did the whole song of You Could Drive a Person Crazy, even though it was kind of obvious that the set wasn't completely working. It's like apartments lined up next to each other with all the doors and the steps up to them. And each door opens and reveals a guy who sings in You Could Drive a Person Crazy. And one of the doors just like wasn't opening properly and stuff. And... And they did the whole song and they like kind of worked around that. But then after the song, before the next scene, please hold for technical difficulty. Like, please clear the stage. And <laughs> Katrina like just kind of like looked at everyone and just like gave a fake bow and just like walked off. The reason why I talk about this set is because um, so before You Could Drive a Person Crazy comes on, there's actually a pretty long book scene where Katrina's hanging out with another couple whose name I also don't know. So if you do, shout shut that out is (laughs) jenny and david right so yeah so it looks like it's their neighborhood and they're like talking they're like sitting on the steps chatting and like her friends are actually still sitting on the steps when like the guys walk down them so it like it goes from being just like oh this is a like a chill neighborhood set to um kind of like a more campy like staged Mm -hmm. set but it's the same set piece I thought the set was cool. Also, we like had talked about West Side Story, which we had seen like four days earlier and how we got tired of like projections thinking that they could just replace actual set pieces. So it was surprisingly refreshing just to see physical sets. I think the whole thing with Bobby is that even though she's turning 35, she acts like she's like 25 because she she almost acts like she's still kind of in college or like just a much much younger and much less mature than all of her friends he's just like oh like boo like kind of just peer pressuring them into trying to hang out and be high longer but then the rest of her friends are old enough to be like nah man we're done although i think it's like only in this specific aspect because like later on like the scene after getting married today you can see how like she is like still somewhat mature and also a really good friend Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but I think like just in how she 
understands relationships, she is like in a much younger state of mind. But as far as you could drive a person crazy, they do change the arrangement a little from the original. They make it more like barbershop rather than do-do-do-do sort of thing. It is interesting because it the guys do come off as much more entitled. I didn't completely see it that same way. I think the reason why it works is because like the guys also step into that same objectified role. Because mm-hmm. like... They're all dressed like boy toys. Like, there's like the flight attendant, the like muscular guy in the very tight t-shirt, and there's like the artiste. Ba-da-da, I could understand a person if she happened to be gay. You think? Do I know? Nah. But worse than that, a person that titillates a person and then leaves him flat is crazy. She's a troubled person. She's a truly crazy so have i got a guy for you totally grew on me i've been listening to it so much there's a lot of these a lot of this show that i'm confused about and this is probably the first big like confusing ish moment for me um i think this is purely in her mind like the other ones could be memories and or like i don't know just based off of things that have happened but i think this is like It's almost a nightmare sequence I see it as. I don't know. What do you think? So I think if you frame it in like the original ungender swapped version, right? Uh So like first you see the guys sing Sorry Grateful. And then like a couple scenes later, you see them do Have I Got a Girl for You. I think it's like an extrapolation from that where it's like, yeah, like people tell you to be married. They tell you that they're happy. But like is that true? And it's kind of her like devil's advocate argument to it. I think the reason why I like think of it as a nightmare sequence is it's kind of her taking all the insecurities of sorry, grateful. In the end, there's that one line where it's, you have a lot of reasons for not being with someone, but you don't have a single reason for not being with someone. I see it as her kind of taking all that reluctance and sort of coming up with reasons to just like not be with someone. Hmm. I can definitely see that because like also the song itself is very chaotic so it is like like she definitely looks really confused the whole time like i can see how she's kind of like extrapolating too far from sorry grateful and was like oh fuck this is not what i want at all but like on the album it's almost like she's just like so content and bragging about how free she is yeah and i mean so that view was kind of more based on the original non-gender swapped original where it's still the guys singing it and then here it's the guy singing sorry grateful but it's the girls singing have i got a guy for you so it's it's obviously changed a little and so here i think when the girls sing it it's more like hey you're doing great like don't let other people tell you what to do you can do whatever you want What I also got from it, and, like, I think it's also because it's the girls singing it. Earlier in the show, they're like, Bobby, come over for dinner. It'll just be the three of us. And they're, like, super happy. And then in this song, they're like, Bobby, come over for dinner. It'll just be the four of us. And it's kind of – I see it as, like, her friends being like, yo, like, you got to start moving on. Like, Hmm. yeah. Like, I I want to get dinner with you and your boyfriend as four people. Like, come on. 
But like everyone tries really hard to be friends with her. And then she's the one that's kind of like, eh, which makes no sense because like she should be the loneliest person. Right. Yeah. Have I got a guy? Have I got a guy for Wait you? Wait till you meet him. Have I got a guy for you? Got to be in your shoes what I wouldn't give. I mean the freedom to go out and live. And as we're settling down and all that. Marriage may be where it's been, but it's not where it's at. Someone is waiting is also really interesting. Gender swapped? I personally feel like Marry Me a Little is like the superior version of Someone is Waiting. Because I feel like they kind of convey the same concepts. But I do think mm-hmm. Someone is Waiting is a little more emotional, I guess. It's like, it's it's her second guessing herself. And it's the part where she like combines all of her male friends into this like perfect person that she would be in a relationship with. And she's like, oh, like someone's waiting, cute as Jamie, sassy as Harry, tender as Paul. Like just taking the different traits of each of your friends that you would want like in an ideal partner. Because obviously when you're friends with people, there are parts of them that you like. And everyone's always like, oh, your spouse is supposed to be your best friend. And so what would you want if you could, I guess, like Frankenstein together, a perfect ideal partner? Mm Mm-hmm. I think this is the first moment where she's maybe a little, she might regret her decision, question mark, to stay single. The like group of friends that Bobby has seems to be partially made out of like ex flings or something like that. Or it's like they could be, like they could have started being friends because a lot of people were attracted to her. Right. Yeah. I feel like. When you're younger, you're like, oh, it's fine. I don't need a date now because I'll just find someone later. And then it's like that thing where you keep putting it off and putting it off. And then you're 35 and you're like, oh, shit, is it too late now to find someone? Or like, should I have been looking harder before? Yeah, my parents keep on being like, if you keep waiting, all the good men will be taken. And I'm like, I'm 23. The good men haven't even like come to yet <laughs> yeah my loyal harry loving paul cute jamie happy peter and son larry wait for me i'll hurry another hundred people i did not like it in this production a lot of feelings about this song. This was actually probably my favorite song going in before I had hmm. seen it staged at all. Can you like elaborate on why? Just like some of the lines I think are just still so true. Like, will you pick me up or do I meet you there? Shall we let it go? It was written in the 70s, hmm. but it seems like, you know, something people would say now, like, did you get my message? Because I looked in vain. And then even just they meet at parties through the friends of friends who they never know. Like, it just seems so current. And I like the idea of what they were trying to do here. Because the, the conceit of the song is like another hundred people just got off the train, got off the bus, got off the plane. Like, there's just so many people in New York City here are their sort of like habits. They um, they find each other in the crowded streets and the guarded parks. And they just like, this is, it's an observation song, not sung by Bobby, but sung by PJ in this version or Marta in the, the original version, who is basically portrayed as kind of a hippie. That like piano line, I think, is a great undercurrent to how New York is 
you know, known as kind of a city that never sleeps and like always keeps running and there's always just a ton of people. It just was such a New York song, I think, which is why I liked it. So, I mean, like a lot of the lyrics that you just mentioned, like, yeah, I totally agree that they're like very relatable. So for me, like, I think the staging was a little chaotic to focus Mm -hmm. on like any specific, like it was cool, but it was too chaotic to focus on any specific lyrics past like the main stuff and the main stuff for me was just like the lines that have the title of the song in it which is like another hundred people just got off of the bus plane whatever and like that didn't really make sense to me because I definitely don't go into a subway station and I'm like ah this is where I'm gonna meet my potential lover (laughs) like out of the millions of people getting off at Penn Station to go to work like that's not how I feel right so like when it's kind of said like that like another hundred people just got off the train it sounds like something that someone who just moved to New York would say. Mm-hmm. It's just like someone that's just like, all of these Hollywood rom-coms are set in New York, so I'm going to find my boyfriend on the subway. Yeah. I think that is a little bit what they're trying to portray. This song they turned into kind of like an online dating-ish thing, where it is like... um if you've seen the big promos with the giant cutout letters that spell out company, this is the song that uses them. And it's the O specifically where they have the ensemble coming out of the O as if they're like coming out of the ground of like the subway or the plane or whatever. And meanwhile, Bobby's like sort of um, swiping on a phone and just walking up to different people and like assessing them. And I think as a standalone, the set itself is like outstanding, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, there's like men sitting on these letters they're like pushed down stage and then they kind of get like abruptly moved to one side very much like swiping on Mm -hmm. a dating app so i feel like the whole concept of that was really exciting but the thing is like it was a hectic staging and it's like already like a hectic melody and then there's a lot going on in the lyrics itself so i think like that just became too much for me Yeah, I'd agree with that because it was like I was so focused on the letters. The Mm -hmm. fact that there was so much going on with the letters and with the people at the same time, it was very hard to figure out where to focus your attention. I felt like the song itself just didn't have the same kind of spark that I've heard in the other female versions of the song. I felt like it was just very straight sung and not as like wide-eyed, optimistic kind of mentality of who's singing it i saw it more as like a like an objective observer being like oh and this is how people meet up and break up and the way i saw it is very still hollywood-esque where it's like that scene of the person like stepping out into the busy street in new york and like the camera just like circles around them as they're looking up at the skyscrapers or something is how i envision this song yeah i mean i didn't get attached to the song like before this production i mean i'm not attached to it yeah either (laughs) But um, I kind of wish that, like, I saw it the way it was intended or the way that it originally was, because you're not the only person that, like, really likes this song. It did nothing for me. Another hundred people just got off of the train and came up through the ground while another hundred people just got off of the bus and are looking around at another hundred people who got off of the plane and are looking at us who got off of the train and the plane and the bus maybe yesterday. It's a city of strangers, some come to work, some to play. A city of strangers, some come to stare, some to stare. So getting married today. So exciting. The real like best solo of this entire musical 
It is wild. God, I love this. <laughs> and the the set is so good for this. Like there are so many. The set looks so straightforward, but there are so many surprises built into the set that it's just crazy. It is um Paul and Jamie who used to be Amy. So it used to be a straight couple. They made it a gay couple, and they're it's their wedding day. But they've been living together for like many years. They're in a very established relationship. And then Paul is like super excited. He's like, oh, yeah, I love my partner. Like, they're the best thing that ever happened to me. And Jamie's just like having a breakdown, which I also think is really interesting as a gay couple, because, you know, if it's assumed to have been set in like 2020 or even like 2018, 2019, then when they grew up, gay marriage probably wasn't really legal and probably wasn't super okay. So you could also explain his anxiety that way i keep forgetting that there's other parts to this song like it <laughs> only remembers jamie's parts where he's just like talking in a million words a minute and i was like talking to my friend and i was like you have to hear the song this shit is crazy and i just like pressed play and it was just like the bless this day and she's like what the fuck are you showing me and i was like uh sorry let me skip <laughs> Yeah, I was like, just hold on one second. <laughs> yeah, and like the lyrics are hilarious. They're like the best way you could possibly convey not wanting to get married. It's <laughs> like, I called my shrink and he told me to come in on Monday, but my but by Monday I'll be flowing in the Hudson with the rest of the garbage. And yeah. it's like, um, yeah. and there is that really funny line, which they use the exact same line in this gay couple version, where he's like, "We've been living together for so long, they're gonna think I'm pregnant." Like, well, <laughs> there's a scene in Parks and Rec where Ben has to tell Leslie something that, like, he's like a little nervous about telling her, and he's like, "I have to tell you something," and then like he's nervous, so she starts getting nervous, and then she starts freaking out, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm pregnant!" And she's like, "Wait, that can't be right." <laughs> In this production, it's Matt Doyle who plays Jamie, and he mentioned he was diagnosed with coronavirus, so I hope he recovers. Mm. It's so good. And just, like, him having a nervous breakdown was so, like, real. It was very convincing that he was actually losing his mind. He kind of looks like he's losing his mind because of how fast he has to talk. And he's just like out of breath and totally delirious. But also it works for his character's position in the scene. Mm -hmm. So that works out so well when he's like whispering and just like shaking his head when he says, don't tell Paul. And yeah. he just looks like his like he's like about to explode. Obviously, if he's really not getting married, Paul's going to know. So <laughs> yeah. it's also kind of like ironic. And then afterwards, when he tells Paul, I love that book scene, too, where Katrina Lank is like, or maybe it's because this maid of honor just keeps smiling as she dies from drinking boiling <laughs> orange juice, <laughs> doing their mimosas. And then she's so stressed. She's like, she goes into a side room and just starts chugging the champagne. <laughs> Yep. She's probably like, you can really see her in that side room being like, wow, this is why I do not get married. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she has great comic timing. All the book scenes are like pretty good, I think, in the show. But yes. I think this whole scene around Jamie and Paul is just like golden. So this this scene that we're talking about, it leads into the act one finale, right? Yeah. And then I think it has a lot of parallels with what leads into the act two finale being alive because mm – -hmm. so yeah, Paul runs off because he's super distraught. Um, and then 
um, kind of like instead of being a very good friend, Bobby confronts Jamie and she's like, well, what if we got married? Because it's like you're terrified of what people will think of you if you get married. And I'm terrified of what people will think of me if I don't get married. And like, that's fucked up. What if we just like arranged a marriage and it was totally open and fake and got it over with, right? Mm -hmm. So like she says that and then Jamie is like, he comes to his revelation where he's like, fuck no, and then runs after Paul. And then Bobby sings Marry Me a Little. It's a very similar scene if you think about it because after Patti Lapone sings Ladies Who Lunch, which is like the penultimate number of the show. So like it's a, it's a little weird in this show because of the gender swap compared to like the original. But like just going off like this one even, um Patty is like, "Hey Bobby, do you want to hook up with my husband because like you're hot, he's hot." And I think the general consensus is that, like, she's not really pimping out her husband. And she's she's kind of saying that in, like, the same state of mind that Bobby propositioned Jamie. Mm-hmm. You can also interpret it as, like, Bobby being like, hey, Jamie, you want to marry me as, like, as, like, a way to show Jamie that he really loves Paul and doesn't want to marry Bobby? Because, like, that's what happens because... Jamie's like, nah, like if I'm going to marry someone, it's definitely not going to be you. It's got to be Paul because I love him. And then you see that like same kind of thing happen because Joanne says to Bobby that like, (laughs) hey, I'll take care of you. And then Bobby's like, but who will I take care of? And then she goes into sing being alive. So it's like almost the same scene, but she's on like opposite sides of the conversation. Yeah, I didn't really notice that until you mentioned it. I do see, because like with Joanne, I think she's purposely being manipulative. And with Bobby, it's like by accident. I I saw that scene as her being like, wow, like maybe this is someone else like me. Because Bobby at this moment in time is like, why would I want to get married? Like there's no reason for me to get married. And when she watches Jamie have a breakdown, she's like, I think I see that as her sort of like grasping at like, oh, look, there's someone else like me. I think it is that same sort of manipulation, even if it whether or not it's on purpose of when Bobby at the end is like, well, who will I take care of versus um, when Paul goes out and it starts to rain and Jamie's like, he didn't even bring an umbrella like he's going to catch a cold. I've got to go bring him this umbrella. It's like he realizes how much he really does care about this guy. And he's like, you know, like at the end of the day, marriage is about like showing how much we love each other like that's all it really has to be it's not as big of a deal as like I had made it out to be to have like an anxiety attack over so we're just like I really love him we're gonna get married like it's great is how I see that scene kind of playing out yeah Listen, everybody, I'm afraid you didn't hear, or do you want to see a crazy person fall apart in front of you? It isn't only Paul who may be ruining his life. You know, we'll both of us be losing our identities. I telephoned my shrink, and he said maybe I should come and see him Monday, but by Monday I'll be floating in the Hudson with the other garbage. I'm not well, so I'm not getting married. You've been swell, but I'm not getting married. Clear the hall, because I'm not getting married. Thank you all, but I'm not getting married. And never tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. It is um, kind of interesting reading through Sondheim's like notes on Company, because the original ending, Marry Me a Little was supposed to be Bobby singing to Amy, and that was supposed to be the marriage proposition. At some point, it was that Amy did get married to Paul, 
But then at the very end, instead of being alive, they had a different song where Amy came back to Bobby and then they did end up getting married or at least like implied that they would get married because for some reason Amy and Paul didn't work out. And so it has evolved a bit to be there was always this kind of like Amy and Bobby possible couple mix in there. But I do think they settled on the right way to to develop and end the show. Speaking of marrying me a little, the original version of Company actually didn't have this song. It ended with another like oh my God. Bobby in his apartment alone kind of scene. So I guess kind of to bookend the first scene. Sondheim had already written this song and they're like, no, we're not going to have this. And I think it was the next revival where they added it back in, which I can't even imagine this show without this song because I think it's like the second most important song after being alive because it shows you kind of how wrong Bobby was about how he or she approached marriage and the idea of like being together with someone. Marry Me a Little and Being Alive are Bobby's only solos. I guess someone is waiting, but like like we said, that's basically the same thing. Yeah. Like it's from these two songs that we see her transition from who she is at the act one finale versus who she is at the act two finale. This is the song where it rains, right? Yes. So in Getting Married Today, the the priest person does say like watch this person go insane look it's also starting to rain and that's why jamie runs out he's like oh paul is you know so thoughtless he like forgot an umbrella i got to go take care of him and you do hear like the lightning sound effects and when we were in previews she just like steps out of the the light box of paul and jamie's apartment and starts just singing to the audience marry me a little Word on the street is that now when she steps out, it just starts raining like West Side Story style. I don't know if that's necessary. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen that. So maybe it is more effective in person. I also remember thinking that during this song, Katrina Link wasn't really like belting. It was like a very mellow song for her. For most of the song, I was waiting for her to belt. So a lot of people thought Katrina Lang seemed to be struggling for notes in this show, which I never felt at any moment. And and it's true that she doesn't really belt and other people do make it a more belty version of this song and of Being Alive. But I thought it was true to her character. Like, just marry me a little. This is how it's going to be. Like, it's going to be super casual. Like, and so I think it makes sense that she's not belting in this specific song i wanted like a little more conviction but i definitely don't think that she's struggling for notes i think like if it comes off as that way to some people it's most likely because like as a character bobby is struggling for words Mm. because like what she she's asking for is ridiculous because like what the fuck does marry me a little (laughs) even though she wasn't coming to a, a revelation i still like Wanted her to kind of like solidify her stance at the mm-hmm. end of Act One and kind of yeah. get like a little angry you about want it. The song to like build a little more, right? And I think it is interesting also with the gender swap because this is such a guy song. Like if you look at a lot of college guys, this is exactly their mentality. I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> like 
Like, marry me a little, love me just enough, cry, but not too often, play, but not too rough, keep a tender distance so we'll both be free. That's the way it ought to be. So it's kind of interesting to see it through, like, see a woman singing it and to really, like, have conviction in what she's saying. Also, why I wanted her to belt was because I wanted to see her, like, demand these kind of like immature requests mm. because I feel like it would have made like her progression stronger. I could see that. I like I definitely see where you're coming from. Cause when someone is waiting, she ends with like, wait for me, hurry, but wait for like she's kind of torn between these two ideas of like wait for me in case I'm the one that's catching up, but hurry if you're the one that's catching up with me, I guess. And here she's like, mm. I'm ready. So it's kind of a follow-up to instead, like, you were waiting for me maybe this whole time, but I'm ready now. Like, she's very convinced that, like, I understand. Like, this is what marriage is. We're just gonna have a have a good time and not get too involved. But then at the very end, like, everyone else in the cast comes in with that same, like, Bobby, 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 baby, Bobby, Bobby. And it it almost sounds like like warning sirens to me. And like that's yes. the last moment before the curtain. It's like, hey, you're on the wrong track. I totally agree with that. Marry me a little, love me just enough. Warm and sweet and easy, just the simple stuff. Keep a tender distance so we'll both be free. That's the way it ought to be. Cool. So that concludes Act One of Company, and we decided to break this up because this was just going on. You can find Act Two of Company in your podcast feeds in two weeks, so make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at bottomlessbway or email us at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. Tune in for Act Two of Company next time. Phone rings, door chimes, in comes company. No strings, good times, room hums company. Late nights, quick bites, party games, deep talks, long walks, telephone calls.